0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy Chad Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? Good to be back with you, my friend. And good to be back, dog. We got another great week, another great episode of Outlet Forum coming guys' way. We got people getting thrown out of games. We got people making it to the NFC Championship and AFC Championship games. We got people might get traded. Playing better because they might get traded as a result. Dilo, We'll get into that as well. But we got to get started first with people that are losing their job. Mm. And getting hired in the same day after someone else loses their job. I'm talking about Griff. Adrian Griffin. Coach of the head coach of the or former head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And the writing was on the wall. The record was 30 and 13. Even though they were playing great, they couldn't even beat the Detroit Pistons by more than single digits or more by more than one possession, I should say, this past week. And it seems like the morning after that game and for weeks and weeks, and Giannis said it himself, we all got to do better. He, the guy he didn't have to wash our clothes better. We all got to do better. It was funny, but he was talking about somebody specifically, and it was for a while. And Griff got what was coming his way. He was in over his clearly. And it just reminds me of Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, to be honest with you, Um, except for he had actually had a good record with the Milwaukee Bucks, another coach that's just in over his skis as a rookie head coach and would probably do better as an assistant. And because this is a guy that I felt wasn't ready for the pressure that came with the job that he had when they hired him. This is being Adrian Griffin. He wasn't the coach. He wasn't Dame's coach, right? right. So, and <clears throat> they also didn't offer Giannis an extension. Mm-hmm. So, I want to just dive into that a little bit, Chris. What do you make of not only the firing of Adrian Griffin, but the hiring of Doc Rivers? I thought that was TNT. TNT is reporting, and Chris Haynes refuted it on live television as well during the game the other night, that Doc had already signed off on it. And it turns out to be true because the next morning, Woj reported it and it was a done deal. But what do you make of not only the Firing Adrian Griffin first, but also the hiring of Doc Rivers.
1: Well, first of all, uh, are you sure you're okay? After last week sitting next to Mark Cuban courtside, my boy was on TV. I even asked him to wave at me in the middle of the Lakers-Mavs game because he was no more than five feet away from Mark Cuban. It's good thing we weren't practicing social distancing, Chaz. Otherwise, you would have never two gotten feet, that close feet. to the cubes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, this was... Who's counting? two feet. Got lucky that game exactly excellent seats by the way uh going back to adrian griffin well first of all i i thought from the beginning i i thought adrian griffin deserved to be a head coach 14 interviews including this one for years this guy was constantly interviewing for head coaching positions only to get passed over and basically being the co-pilot on nick nurse's plane in toronto for a long time not to say that it was all bad they won a championship together in 2019 When he got the Milwaukee job, I said, congratulations to Griff, well-deserved. However, with that, like you said, comes expectations, responsibilities. You know, when people say, well, we want to get a great job, getting a great job also means more responsibility, more media scrutiny. And that was put into overdrive after the acquisition of Dame Lillard. Now, all of a sudden it's, oh man, not only am I expected to win, I basically need to make history as another rookie head coach and win a championship in my first year on the job. Essentially, that's what it was. Anything short of at least a finals appearance, Chaz, would have been viewed as a failure. Now, you also are coming into a situation where that group, with the exception of the departure of of uh, Drew Holiday and the uh, acquisition of Dame Lillard, was battle-tested. That group has been together for a while. They've won a championship. They've been yeah. through battles together. So when you're coming in from the outside, especially as a rookie head coach, and I think a guy like Darvin Hamm could attest to this as well when he took over the Laker job last year. Why should we trust you, right? Why should we trust you? Yeah, you've been in the game for a long time, but now you've got the big seat, and that runs a little bit differently. It was obvious from the beginning there were some issues. Terry Stotts, who was brought in to help ease the transition of Dame, resigns before the first game is played this season.
0: Red flag number one.
1: Red flag number one, two. Giannis and Griffin are screaming at each other. Not screaming, but they're they're having a a, a very heated disagreement. Vocalized conversation. Vocalized conversation. Saying. Yeah, right in in the middle of the game because Giannis didn't want to come out of the game and Griff was trying to get him out of there. So there's some issues there. They get smoked by the Indiana Pacers this year. They get smoked by Indiana. In the uh, in the playing tournament, he has a meeting with the Stars players telling them, you all got to sacrifice more and everything like that. So at the end of the day, well, obviously, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything when you don't have a scheme or a system that the players have bought into because now it's saying you guys are the problem, not me. That's an issue right there. And that's a rookie head coach who's a little tone deaf to the situation. And I think that was the last straw. So yeah, 30 and 13. Tied for the second best record in the entire league. Would I have liked to have seen him finish out the season? Absolutely. The only other scenario that I know that is similar to this was the David Blatt situation in Cleveland. And even then, Blatt didn't get fired 43 games in. He got fired a year and 43 games in. Not to mention that year, he helped take Cleveland to the finals. But here's the similarity with that. Griffin I think thought he was coming into a
0: sort of a transition mode with Milwaukee right that's what I'm I'm saying they didn't didn't think that they were gonna have to that they were gonna get the extension from Giannis they thought Giannis was gonna play on a one 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 more year before that right he goes ahead and just says that he wants to sign the extension he brings it up and they sign and get Dame before before that as well actually I'm trying to think which one came first, the signing or no, I don't know. No, Dane Dame came first and, then, he and then, and then the signing. So let, let me
1: just put it out there like this. Now the expectations, just like when LeBron decided to go back to Cleveland in 2014, Blatt thought he was going to coach a team with Kyrie Irving as, as, as a centerpiece and all these other, you know, young pieces that that were going to develop. All of a sudden, LeBron comes over, they trade for Kevin Love. Now it's like, okay, Blatt championship or bust. Griffin, I think, was in a very similar situation with Blatt as far as that goes. However, the reason this was not an easy decision for John Horse and the, and the uh, ownership group for the Bucs to, to come to a, a decision on, and now you're essentially pay, paying three coaches to, you, you know, you have, you have some dead money on the books. You're still paid in and You're going to have to pay out Griffin, and now you're bringing in Doc Rivers. But they knew if we don't nip this in the bud now, it's only going to get worse from here. And there wasn't a lot of coaches available. Yeah, I mean, Forty-three games in, and Doc Rivers was the best that was out there. I mean, the guy was like a consultant, a, and this is what they decided to do. It's an interesting scenario. There's not,
0: there's not a bunch of championship coaches just sitting around in a booth ready to coach. So it sounds like, from what Stephen A. was saying, I was listening to him earlier that, and other reports, that this is probably going to be Doc Rivers' last stop if if he can't make it work. If he doesn't. Get it done in Milwaukee. If he if he's there one year, two years, three years, whatever it is, if he doesn't get it done there with Giannis with Dame, he's probably not going to coach him again. He in the NBA. He's coached since Tracy McGrady days, and you know uh for the Orlando Magic. So 1999. It's been a long time coming for Doc Rivers. Exactly. So the writing <clears> was on the roll for Adrian Griffin. Doc Rivers, I believe, he could actually bring bring in that team and get them over the hump. Knows how to why. coach stars. He knows how to get. He knows how to get the most out of big men as well. A la Kendrick Perkins, KG, Blake Griffin, DeAndre DeAndre Jordan, you name it. He's gotten the most out of his big frontline players. And uh, obviously, Joel Embiid had his MVP season. Under Even doctors. Trez. I Even Trez Giannis was a... Was a, Lopez. a yeah, sorry. Yeah, tre- tre- for the Clippers was, was great. So yeah. it, it's really just going to come down to the fact that how he can get these guys to blossom... And can he get guys to respond on the defensive end like Dame, like Malik Beasley, like the rest of those wing guys, because they don't have Drew Holiday anymore. So that's really the key for those guys. And we'll see what it how it turns out in Milwaukee. Now, there's another team that's having some rumors and obviously that that team is the Lakers. Chris, they obviously had a terrible loss to the Brooklyn Nets when they yeah. were up seven, I think 17 in the first half and blew that game. Uh they they won a game in, in on Sunday that they were supposed to win, but they lose again to the Los Angeles Clippers. Team that they were actually 2-0 against this year. But D'Angelo Russell is averaging 27 over the last nine games. He looks like he doesn't want to get traded. He's acting like one of those girls that had the have an issue or that you might have an issue with, and then you tell her, hey, I'm about to leave, and then she gets her act together, and all of a sudden she's cooking and cleaning, and then you look the other way, and then all of a sudden she's back to doing the same old shit. That's D'Angelo Russell. So in my opinion, I say go ahead and trade him, especially sell high on him, not low. You can actually get more for him, not less, because he's playing well. Chris, what do you make of the rumors? DeJounte Murray, Bruce Brown for the Lakers, and what do you make of also the trades that actually have gone down as well in the Pascal Siakam trade? That got done. I can't believe Masai Ujiri actually parted way with OG Ananobi to the Knicks earlier and Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers in the same year. And we also got a trade last trade. Terry Rozier made his debut for the Miami Heat after he got traded for Kyle Lowry in a first-round pick from the Charlotte Hornets. What do you make of all those moves? Starting with the rumors, my man. Yeah,
1: so first of all, this is what happens when you miss a week, when we miss a week. Uh, You miss out on on all this stuff.
0: I know, I got to cram it all in there, baby. We're
1: cramming it all in. First of all, as far as D'Lo goes, I'm glad to see him uh, engaged again. Yeah, maybe he's not doing it for the team. Maybe he's doing it for himself. I'm not exactly so – I know the DeJounte Murray thing has legs, and here's the thing with D'Lo. I actually think at times his skill set fits – what the Lakers are doing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. The issue has been splitting up him and Austin Reeves. I think he plays his best next to Austin Reeves. It allows him to be a more aggressive offensive force. Not to say that he uh, he can't be a distributor or that him and Reeves – or he uh, can't play with Reeves or can only play with Reeves. But I think that they're at their best when those four are on the, are, are on the floor together at the same time. We saw it last year, Chaz Reeves at the shooting guard D'Lo at the point guard, LeBron, AD Vanderbilt, his role being shifted around has kind of messed him up. But now I think he's kind of going out there and just like F it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out swinging. And you know what? These have been some of the, the three best weeks he's had probably since his, his year in Brooklyn. I I would argue that Th- these are some of the best weeks he's had in his career. That 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 is saying something right there. However, here's the problem the the market still isn't quite there. And do you know how I know that? There was a report saying Atlanta needed to get a third team involved because guess what? If they engage with the Lakers on a DeJounte Murray deal, they do not want D'Angelo Russell's contract coming back, even though it's a it's a palatable contract. You're, he's making 18 mil this right. year. He's got a player option for 20. Uh, I'm sorry, for 2025, and that's only worth 19 million. Why wouldn't you want that deal? But that just goes to show you, I don't think any of this great play over the last three weeks really can, moves. Can I say goals. why?
0: Go ahead. Can I say why really quick? Because nobody has really mentioned this. I haven't heard anybody mention this at all. But I think that they don't want to alienate Trey Young. Like they, Trey Young would know that. D'Lo's not coming in there to replace him, but you don't even want to get give off that notion, especially when the rumors are what they are and teams trying to get after Trey Young and it and it, it being what it has been, you know, unspokenly, if that's even a word, you know, behind the scenes. So I can understand from, you know, Grant Hill's perspective, Hawks management perspective, not wanting to bring in D'Lo because it, it just may not be a good fit. And to be honest, yeah. Atlanta's not in full sell mode yet either.
1: No, but they're also not in compete mode either. They're a playing team at this point and probably not one that is even able to crack the seven or the eight seed and and eventually put themselves in a position to, you know, get their asses kicked by a Milwaukee or a Boston or even a Philadelphia in the first round. So at this point, I mean, I understand you want to maximize the value. That's fine. You want to gouge for Austin Reeves and an extra first round pick, go right ahead, get the best value possible because Murray is that kind of player. He's an all-star caliber player. Absolutely. I am talking about the big picture because I don't know how many teams out there can use D'Angelo Russell and say, you know what? This is the guy that we want to help us moving forward. There's really not that team. Last year, maybe you could have made an argument for Chicago, but that's it. Maybe you could say Oklahoma City and even that's a stretch because they've got Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's kind of the combo guard over there. So there's not a huge market for D'Angelo Russell, and that's why I think the market for him this summer may not be all that different than what it was this past summer, which is few and far between, which is why I even said, it's not the worst thing in the world if the Lakers don't trade him and just try to work this thing out internally, get better on the margins, try to get another shooter, try to address the front court, and just say, you know what? we're we're, we're going to leave with the date that we came in with. We're going to dance with the date that we came in with at this point and just try to work it out. That to me makes the most sense. That's that's pragmatic right there.
0: It is. And it is, but it would be terrible asset management if you if you don't trade him. Obviously, he's going to opt in. So you're going to get something for him because if he opts out You know, he he, it's pretty much a no-trade clause. So he knew what he was getting himself into. Sure. Um, but he wanted that guarantee for an extra year because you never know, you never know. But I think that ultimately they have to get they have to get rid of him because if you have a chance to get DeJounte Murray, you have to go do it because he's not an all-star just yet, but I can see him blossoming with A D, especially if you have the right guys around him. But one thing I want to say before we get off the Lakers is D'Angelo Russell isn't really the main problem himself, but he's not the solution either. It's defense, and to be honest, I think the real issue, if you have to single anybody out, is Austin Reeves. That's the guy who's getting done up on the defensive end. That teams are hunting in high pick and rolls, no matter who it is, and that's the guy who has the most inconsistent offensive game, especially off the bench. We've we've tried Reeves on the bench, off the bench clutch minutes, non-clutch minutes, starting, closing. He just has not found consistency at all in, in the least bit. So that's really the culprit for me, that if you had to single anybody out, I know it's a team game for the Lakers. That's who I would trade if I knew I could get somebody like a Trey Young, a Donovan Mitchell. If I knew I could get one of those guys with Austin Reeves, Obviously, three picks, yeah. and some other stuff, yeah.
1: Y- yeah, and, and yeah. I think Reeves, so, his role has shifted. That's fine. I just want to say this. Reeves' inconsistencies, I think, has to do also with coaching. And I don't think it's been as bad as people think. But also, too, Chaz, people are game planning for him now. Teams are hunting him and, you know, so he's not only taking on the tough defensive assignments, they're asking him to score. They're asking him to make plays. They're asking him to defend. You're going up against the other team's better perimeter defender because they know that, that you are someone that needs to be dealt with in addition to LeBron and AD. I think those things have factored into some of his struggles and also it could just be a rough stretch as well. I don't think it's been all season. I think it's been pockets here and there where he's not looked wow. his best.
0: And I could say the same about D'Angelo Russell as well. Man, I've I've watched every game, every minute of this season for the Los Angeles Lakers, and Austin Reeves, in the least bit has not even looked like what he looked like in the beginning of last season before the trades. He was even playing better then. So I I know I can't you don't want to, to hear
1: that. Money, okay, that's so. fine. In other, news, it, in other news. Agree to disagree.
0: In other news, Pascal is doing his thing. RJ Barrett is doing his thing. Playing much better. Good Who trades. else is doing their thing right now? That that uh, that's been traded. OG Ananobi and the New York Knicks are eleven and great. two since the trade. Yeah, and are in the mix in the East Coast or East Eastern Conference right. East Coast, obviously. Um, the trades are going in, they're going through, and they're good for both sides. I think the next trade that you that we're going to see that might be a decent one that we've heard for quite some time now is a Bruce Brown trade. I don't think he's going to stay in Toronto because he Mm -hmm. got moved from the Denver or because Denver Nuggets, the Indiana Pacers, obviously the Lakers and the Nuggets probably want him back. Yeah. Chris, what do you make of the fact that of these trades so far, and do you think that any of them are really going to shift anything in terms of big names, big moves? Is there anything that's going to shift the standings that you think is either that has happened already or is going to happen.
1: Well, Siakam, by the way, they're 0-3 with Siakam and Indy. And granted, they're dealing with, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton not being available right now. So that's that's a big part. And, I mean, that's it was a tough schedule to come into. Immediately, you got to play – Phoenix and then Denver. So you're playing two of the top teams in the, in the West and teams that are, you know, really good. And they battled Denver and they, and, I mean, these are, these have been close games. It's not like they're getting blown out, but still they haven't, they have not won yet. And we won't really, we can't really judge the Siakam trade until Halliburton is back up and healthy. Um, I think Indiana puts himself in a position where they can get into the top five, maybe knock out the Knicks in a playoff series and a dogfight of a series or the Cavs, but I, I, I don't think it's a sure thing. So, but it was a worthwhile deal. It was a worthwhile deal because of what you were able to keep. You didn't have to give up Matherin. You didn't have to give up Nesmith, Nemhard, a lot of your young players. You you got to keep Heald's contract that you could use in another trade down the road. So they got to keep a lot of their core pieces intact, and they got an all-star caliber forward who's won a championship, who I think fits their system. Playing fast, he could post up. He could knock down the three occasionally. He he's got a good mid-range game. He could post up. So it and and you know that pick and roll with Halliburton should be good once they kind of get up and running. Judge that trade in another month from now. Rogier to Miami picks up, you know, as an upgrade over Kyle Lowry picks up where Gabe Vincent, uh, you know, that vacancy was. Uh, and, you know, he, he won't shy away from the pressure in the postseason. So it's someone else that Jimmy Butler can defer to at times. So in a late game situation, Scary Terry, hopefully, will, will make his way back. And I agree with you. OG on has been great for New York. To me, though, none of these teams are in a position where they could convincingly say they could knock out Boston, uh, Milwaukee. Once Milwaukee kind of gets integrated with Doc or even Philadelphia, for that matter. And Philadelphia might make a move too so keep that in mind but uh yeah I, I thought these were all, all these were all solid moves put it this way all solid moves I just don't know maybe Miami because Miami's just dangerous in the playoffs maybe with the Terry Rozier situation they, that could be the difference between going home and moving on maybe
0: I think the Sixers are in the most in the best worst position possible and I I say this to say Joel Embiid just scored 70 points in a Philadelphia Sixers uniform on their home for this week. And that game on the anniversary of Kobe's 81 from... 2006. I think it was 17 years to the day.
1: No, 18 years. 18 years years, now, yeah. 18 18 years, man. January 22nd, 2006.
0: It was on a Sunday. The 76ers have lightning in a bottle. I don't think that they thought that they would be this good by after trading James Harden. So, Daryl Morey, even though he has this plethora of assets to go ahead and upgrade and bring somebody in, I think if he does make a move, you can't trade anybody that's in the rotation. The chemistry is too good. You yeah. can, like, if you mess with that, trying to bring somebody in. Mm-hmm. To, no, if you can bring, if you can get somebody in, just like how Siakam was brought in, where you didn't have to give up anybody. In your rotation, but you just gave up picks and well, you know, Bruce Brown other stuff. Great, but yeah. yeah, I got you right. But that's not, but but that's not somebody that's gonna like. He was a new guy. He wasn't somebody that's a foundational player that's been there. Like, got it. there's players in Philly like Nick, but you can't trade Nick Batum as expendable as he might be, mm-hmm. and as great of a contract as he might be to trade. That's a glue guy, right for them. You know, so I think the Sixers are. That's why I think they're in, in an interesting position. Carl anthony Towns dropped 62 points in a loss against the Charlotte Hornets the same night. And Chris Finch absolutely lit his team up, saying that they were pretty much stat chasing and, you know, playing like young players. And, Called it disgusting. Know, they got the bounce back because, luckily, their next game was in D.C., so they were actually able to get a win over the Wizards. But, Chris, what did you make of not only these scoring performances, but how do you think that this will translate into momentum for these teams that are top of both of the Eastern and Western conference as we come down, you know, the stretch to the all-star break.
1: Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. And I agree. Philly is in an interesting spot because they've been really successful with this group. Uh, you know, they, they've got guys who know who they are. They've got guys who have been there, done that. And most importantly, Chaz, they've got a true pecking order. You got Embiid, you got Maxi. you got Harris, and then you got everybody else. One night, it'll be Marcus Morris. One night, it'll be Batum. One night, it'll be Patrick Beverly. One night, it'll be somebody else. They still have to get DeAnthony Melton and, and Robert Covington back healthy. So I agree. How Like, what exactly are they looking for? I don't think DeJounte Murray would fit. Hell, I don't think uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan would really fit with them right now because that's an ISO ball player that would muck up the system a bit, you know? So I think at this point, it's for a team like that, Go out and get better on the margins because, and, and I can say the same thing about Milwaukee. Why is Milwaukee in on DeJounte Murray? What's he going to do for them? Seriously, you already have Dame Lillard. You've got Chris Middleton. Like you're already getting exposed on the on your perimeter defense. Murray's not going to fix that. And Murray won't fix that for a lot of these teams, including the Lakers. What Murray will do for the Lakers though, is it give them somebody potentially to be a pillar in a post-LeBron era. That's why Murray makes sense for the Lakers more so than these other teams. Now, Buddy Heald in Philly makes sense. That is a knockdown three-point shooter, a guy capable of giving you 20 a night on average because of the attention that Maxie and Embiid uh, put out there. And we know with Nick Nurse, he likes floor spacing guys. And by the way, Nurse has done a fantastic job. And for Giannis to pass up on Nurse as a potential head coach, because he wanted Griffin, I know the organization wanted Nurse. Starting to look like not not a great decision by Giannis, but I digress.
0: Yeah, but if you didn't mess, but but if you didn't mess with the guy, you didn't mess with the guy. So it is what. No, it is. I, I. You better mess with him.
1: I got it. I got it. Hey, maybe maybe Nurse wouldn't have been a good fit. Who knows? But I'm saying the fact that Griffin got fired and Nurse is doing his thing in Philly. I don't know. Anyway, but going back to to the Sixers and some of these other teams you're going to see other teams get better on the margins. Uh, you know, I think for Boston, maybe adding another piece off their bench. I think Denver would love to have a Bruce Brown reunion. I I've been saying it for a while. Their bench could use a punch, even though Reggie Jackson's done a really nice job for them. If they've got a chance to get Bruce Brown back, definitely get him back. And they got some young pieces that they can move from there. So, uh, Brown, healed uh who else is is gonna likely be available we'll see about the buyout market pj tucker on the buyout market uh kyle lowry on the buyout market lowry maybe going to philly that's a that's a good decision right there be a solid backup to tyrese maxey philadelphia guy played his college Champions- ball at villanova
0: Shit. championship Shit. player Championship yeah. tough player i, I yeah. like that I, exactly I like that. so there are
1: good i'm saying for these top teams get better on the margins that's it
0: yeah And they can, and everybody's driving for the championship. But guess what, Chris? You know who else is driving out for the championship? Hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side of this break, Doug. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh,
1: garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel to trying your best, one
0: even one though one your swing one is, one is one the one worst. One Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Out. Possibly one more ball. Hey.
1: <laughs> to giving it your all, Strike it out. even
0: though you kind of suck. Got your ball. I'll see. But you know what doesn't suck? Ooh. <sighs> <Sponge>. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little.
1: Welcome back to the Outlet Forum. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to follow us on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. Of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. And let's please get that dialogue started. You can also follow us on our social media pages, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, at The Outlet Forum. That's at The Outlet Forum. And Chaz, before we preview championship weekend and what's been a pretty interesting mm-hmm. and intriguing NFL playoff a uh, couple of weeks, uh, baseball ha- announced their uh, Hall of Fame inductees for the 2024 class. There were three names. One former Dodger and Texas Ranger guy that had over 3,000 hits, arguably one of the greatest third basemen ever played this game. The great Adrian Beltray got in.
0: Well deserved.
1: Todd Helton of the Colorado Rockies. You could say that he's a modern day Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, established his star in Colorado. People said, ah, Coorsfield, the air up there may have uh, bloated those stats up a little bit, but Helton was a model of consistency he is in and finally minnesota Tw- with that one with um, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec uh minnesota twins catcher no, no, no. joe mauer one of the great hitting catchers uh over the last uh 20 years uh you know his career kind of trailed off toward the end but i remember Chaz in the mid 2000s i want to say from like 04 to about oh eight oh nine. there may not have been a better consistent hitting catcher than Joe Mauer, and uh, so shout out to those three. Um, there were some snubs. We'll get to that in a sec. This class is not bad, you know. Uh, but it begs the question: Were these guys slam like dunk? Right. Were, were these guys slam dunk Hall of Famers? Not quite. I, I think I voted for Todd Helton. I voted for Beltran. I voted for Mauer. I think t- to be able to hit from the catcher position. Day in and day out, even though he was in the American League and he did play first and DH every now and then, Maurer did the most, most of his damage uh, when he was uh, starting uh, behind the plate. Beltray for sure. Helton, 80 24. And I would say for Maurer, 70 34. So I would say overall, yes. But was it a slam dunk? No. If that's your question, was it, do they deserve to be in? I think they did enough. They did enough. Uh, were there snubs? Yes. Gary Sheffield, final year on the ballot, missed it by 12%, 63%. One of the great hitting outfielders of all time, former Dodger, former Marlin, former World Series champion. Everywhere he went, he was able to hit. He, he played a, a good outfield, uh, doubles, extra base hits, home runs, war. Everything was through the roof. Why isn't he in? Andrew Jones, former Brave center fielder, World Series champion, 10-time gold glover. Arguably one of the great center fielders of all time. He didn't get in. And Billy Wagner, one of the great closers of a generation. I would say top 10 all time. He doesn't get in either. Those were the three standout names that didn't get in for me. Chaz, what did you think about the snubs? Should they have gotten in? What do you think about the guys that did get in?
0: I'm okay with everybody except for Helton. I'm, I, I would understand. Look, man, here's the thing about the Hall of Fame. It, it really is just a glorified popularity contest to me at this point, especially for baseball that's really all it is any anybody that was nice enough to the writers that was more than good right if the, the hall of fame isn't filled with only great players there are a bunch of good players in the hall of fame and what kills me is just the fact that it's just i feel like it's arbitrary and i feel like if if you if the media or the writers didn't like you or if you didn't kiss their ass like sheffield like bonds like yeah. Clemens, Clemens, like any other great player, they just, they won't let you in. They have an ax to grind. And until those votes go into other hands and not their descendants, then maybe we might get some more of these guys in. But that's my take on the Hall of Fame. I think it's a joke. Um, I really don't pay too much attention to it. But shout out to the guys that did make it because outside of Helton, I, I, you know, those were guys that I really revered. And especially Beltre as a Dodger fan as well. So that's
1: yeah. Plan. Yeah. No. And, and we'll end on this. I couldn't agree with you more. I think you can't tell the story of baseball without talking about Roger Clemens, without talking about Barry Bonds, without talking about a lot of these other players. Alex Rodriguez, too. Unfortunately, as much as people couldn't stand these guys, the media, especially the writers who are voting on this stuff. Put your personal feelings away. Bonds, there was never really a smoking gun there. Yes, there was strong allegations. Absolutely. You know, but even still, let's say Bonds was guilty of steroid use, right? Create a wing, the steroid era, because we know baseball turned a blind eye to it, to McGuire, to Sosa, to Bonds, to all of these guys that, that, that might have juiced. Not to mention some of them already got in. Pudge Rodriguez, Andy Pettit. David Ortiz. Like, so it's okay for some. It's not okay for others. It's either it's all right or none of it's right. None of this in-between crap because Pudge was nicer to me than Bonds. That's BS right there. So I agree with you full-heartedly and I hope baseball clears that up. They won't. And by the way, Curt Schilling, say what you want. His attitude, his personality, right winger, whatever the case is, who cares? Because all that was post-career. Pete Rose, post-career. Like, what are we doing here? Do you, if you guys want to induct Mahatma Gandhi into the Baseball Hall of Fame, go right ahead. But, you know, <laughs> we we all have to accept these are flawed individuals. And as far as the steroid stuff goes, they were in on it, but so was the rest of baseball. And they turned a blind eye to it. So I'm sorry for get, getting heated on this, but it always sticks out because it makes me upset. I know.
0: I let you go. I let you go, man. It's all good. It's all good. We don't talk too, 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 too much baseball on this pipe so when we do especially when it gets to you know heated discussions like the hall of fame and these arbitrary writers keeping guys in and gatekeeping and this and that ah fuck them as it pertains <laughs> to the best sport in the world according to america outside of I mean, in my opinion it'd be basketball but to america it's football yes, we sir. got some great games this past weekend and this upcoming weekend this past weekend we had the Sorry, man, I, I just completely blank. But the San Francisco 49ers almost lost their shirts to the Green Bay Packers. They were able to get lucky in that game and get that fumble recovery toward in the fourth quarter and be able to score uh, the go-ahead touchdown. On the other side in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens gave the Houston Texans an absolute ass-kicking, and the Kansas City Chiefs were able to pull out a clutch victory over the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills shot on themselves. Tyler Bass, I think he's still in hiding after missing that field goal. Mm-hmm. That blue wide right kind of looked like a golf drive where it would look good down the middle and then just hooked right. It was like a little fan just I heard he was at Scott Norwood's team. house. You see that video that went viral? Yeah. I yeah. heard he, it, was- he just it it just blew completely wide wide right. And then in your last NFC game, we also had excuse me uh we also had the lions and bucks help me out chris
1: i got you brother lions and bucks and by the way shout out the city of detroit Great game
0: great game yeah (laughs) great game i just feel like bucks plus six and a half gotta score the two plus conversion two point conversion i can't believe they missed that but yeah shout out detroit they don't have a shot in hell, especially if Devo plays on Sunday. But go Lions. Fiance's from Detroit. Go Lions. Say, yeah. Go Lions. I think it's going to be, hopefully, Detroit Lions, Baltimore Ravens. Chris, what did you make of not only the, the games this past weekend, but do you think are you, that the games are going to come in the same way that I do? Lions, Ravens? Or, or are we just going to get another matchup of that Monday night, Christmas night game? I think it was where it was – Niners, Ravens.
1: Yeah, which would also be a Super Bowl rematch. I
0: don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, Ravens, Niners would be a rematch from 11 years ago. Uh, back when the Arbaugh brothers went at it, and shout out to Jim uh, getting the head coaching job for the Chargers, uh, replacing the awful Brandon Staley. So shout out to Jim Harbaugh, you know, uh, been a crazy month for him, national champion with Michigan, and now finds himself back in the NFL. And I think that's really good for the Chargers organization. Spanos family got it right. Shout out to the city of Detroit and to the lions organization. That city has been hurting for any sort of winning organization. Tigers have fallen off over the last decade. The Pistons over the last 15 years have been bad. The red wings. I can't remember the last time they were relevant. So for the lions, who went, what, 30-some-odd years between their last appearance in the NFC Championship to getting back there now when people thought Dan Campbell was a joke, when people thought their general manager, Brad Holmes, couldn't do the job, when people thought Jared Goff was going to be trash, they've they've built their team from the ground up and they did it the right way. Sam Laporta, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, Gibbs, Montgomery, building up the O-line, They have done everything right. So shout out to the Lions. Even if their season ends on Sunday, which I think it will to a healthy Niners team, they've got nothing to be ashamed of. This has been a fantastic season. That stadium was rocking. And I was like like you, Chaz, I was disappointed the Rams got eliminated. Absolutely. They were in a position to win that game, but I'm not mad for the Lions having this success because the city of Detroit and your girl were, were owed one. They were due for something good and something for to hear about, yeah, and decades, <laughs> exactly,
0: and decades.
1: As far as my prediction goes, Chiefs find a way to grind that out. I will be pulling for the Ravens, but wow. I will, but I think Chiefs just are gonna. This is the year of finding ways to grind it out.
0: No, no, no Kadarius Tony, no Joe Thuni. Uh, oh, the, the, they're out they're, a starting guard. Against the number one D line in the league, I mean, yeah. it's a tall task.
1: It no, that, that's a lot of Mahomes magic. Yeah,
0: no, I, I,
1: I agree. However, I, I could see them grinding it out. I'll be pulling for the Ravens, of course. I would, I would love to see a Ravens Niners rematch. I think that would be awesome, but. At the same point in time, at, you know, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to pull it out on Sunday against the Bills. I thought the Bills were going to find a way to put the put them away and, you know, Allen messed that game up. The thing is with the Chiefs, you just can't count them out. They just find ways to win. But the Ravens have the home field. They have a healthier roster. I think Lamar Jackson is hungry. He's been exceptional this year. You've got John Harbaugh, great, a, a fantastic coach. It's going to be a fun game to watch. And I will be pulling for the Ravens. I just won't be surprised if it's Chiefs Niners again.
0: Well, speaking of Harbaugh, there's another Harbaugh that's coming back into the NFL. The news just dropped this week that Jim Harbaugh, brother of John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens, is now going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. It just sounds right. And I tweeted out, when they fired Brandon Staley, the Chargers did. If I hope that the Chargers are not smart enough to go and hire Harbaugh or Pete Carroll, and they did. They got Harbaugh, and I, I think now as a result, the Chargers are going to be perennial play, a perennial playoff team. They're going to be in the playoffs every year now. Kind of like how Michigan was when they were losing to Ohio State every year and Harbaugh comes in, changes the culture, and then beats Ohio State three straight years. That's what's going to happen, I think, with the Kansas City Chiefs, especially if the rumors are true that Travis Kelsey might re- tie up his cleats or retire his cleats after our, after this year, especially if they win the Super Bowl. Michelle Tafoya of NBC is, is, has been reporting that. So we'll see what happens, even though Travis came out and said that he's not going to retire You never know, especially with these players when they're towards the end of their career, especially when you got a billionaire girlfriend and Taylor Mm, Swift, that Swifty rumors he might be engaged to. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I really think that Bill Belichick's job is going to be in Atlanta. I like the moves that Tennessee did with their hirings as well. I don't like what the Bears did with keeping Eberflus, but it sounds like they might be hiring... Cliff Kingsbury to pair back in with Caleb mm. Williams if they draft him number one. So there's that going on. You also get, got some moves going in uh with New England. Mike Vrabel. It sounds like Vrabel might be in New England. Or I'm not New England. Uh Gerard Mayo's in New England, but uh the Panthers. He interviewed with the Carolina Panthers, and it sounds like that went. Good. Why he would work for David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers, I have no idea. I wouldn't, especially the way he fires coaches in the last year and a half. But hey, everybody needs a job and there's only 30 of these jobs or 32 of these jobs in the NFL. So I get it. Um, Chris, leave me with one last NFL take as you survey the land. Some of these jobs are being taken up. I think one of the best jobs that hasn't been filled yet is the walk. Washington commander's job mm-hmm. because of the flexibility they have the ownership group and the investment that they have that they're going to put in and and the uh, I think they hired a new uh, president uh, as well to, so that way they can hire a new coach so what do you make of these candidates candidacies and and the fillings and what's the job that still has a vacancy that you think is going to be filled that's that's a perfect fit
1: I think Mike Vrabel. First of all, I respect the hell out of the job that he did in Tennessee because I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Don't forget they were in the ASU championship game a few years ago and they almost won. They outplayed the Chiefs uh, at at Arrowhead Stadium in that first half before Mahomes turned turned it up. Uh, so shout out to him because I, I'll be honest, Callahan is a is a solid hire, but I have I, I don't think he's an upgrade over Vrabel to me. But who knows maybe he could develop will levis and you know make make that team really good we'll see we'll see what happens with them um if he i i think he should steer clear of the carolina job and i hope seattle hires mike vrabel i think he's one of the best coaches still out there and available and i think seattle makes a lot of sense i could see pete carroll sitting out this season taking the front office advisory role that the the seahawks ownership gave him And just give him a year to kind of maybe help ease the transition of the next head coach, whether it be Vrabel or somebody else. And from there, kind of just, you know, let let me weigh my options. So we'll see what happens with that. I agree, Belichick to Atlanta. Um, Finally, the other take that I have for the end of the season, with all the gaudy names out there, I'm really glad the Raiders gave Antonio Pierce an opportunity to be a head coach. He finished that season really strong clearly a commander of young men. And I think he deserves that opportunity to be quite honest. So why not give it to him? Let's see what he can do for a full season. Give him a, an offensive coordinator, you know, let him build up that, that defensive coaching, uh, you know, uh, staff and go from there. Um, I, I really think even with Belichick out there, Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, I know a lot of people are like, ah, should, did they settle too early on Pierce? No, I don't think so. Sometimes uh, the right fit is the right fit. And Antonio Pierce deserved
0: that job. Absolutely he did. I'm so I'm I'm proud of the fact that he got that job, and and I love the fact that the Raiders what the Raiders are doing with hiring Telesco, uh, because clearly he he hired the right guys, he just didn't hire the right coach. And he didn't hire this coach, the players did, I feel like. So yeah. I think it's gonna work uh in Vegas, the way that they have it set up. And my favorite day is coming up. I know I say this all the time. My favorite day of the year is not NBA finals time, US Open time, Christmas, and none of that Christmas Day games, none of that. It is Championship Sunday, not mm-hmm. March Madness, none of that. The the Sunday before the Super Bowl. Not that by week in between where they try to do the Pro Bowl and shit before now. Hmm. Championship Sunday is my favorite sports day of the year. You sit on the couch in California From noon to 8 p.m., watching two games, coverage, you can bet your shirt, win some money, and go into the week feeling great about yourself because you predicted the Super Bowl completely right. Let's get into it. Hopefully, we got some good bets. Take the Ravens minus three and a half. Take the under in the Ravens Chiefs game, mine under 44 and a half. I got both of these picks right last week or the week before. Or last week, I, I should say it was even though I went over five in, in my own personal bets, <laughs> I did not bet my favorite bets. I didn't, I why I was too pussy. I told everybody else to, but I didn't want to myself. So I'm gonna tell everybody right now oh, Chaz Ravens minus three and a half, Lions plus Lions plus seven, take the under, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care if Debo's playing or not, Lions plus seven let's go lions you guys know where to find us on instagram at chaz p on twitter at chaz Pearson chris where can they follow you my man you can follow me on
1: ig at c camelo one i'm on twitter at chris underscore camelo be sure to follow us on our social media pages youtube instagram twitter at the outlet forum at the outlet forum we're gonna be back and chaz Hold on, are you hitting I'm going to put you on the spot right now, my friend. Off script. You hitting paternity leave uh, going into next month. Am I going to be doing these shows by myself or what?
0: We're No, no, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I'm expecting I'm expect, <laughs> I'm expecting within the next 10 days or less, so I'm still going to still try and provide outlet form specialty and hot fire like we do every week but um, you know there's some other priorities that are coming up at the moment so we haven't discussed any paternity leaves or anything like that because uh I still want to do the show and we're, we're you're still going to get some heat from us but on the chance that we don't you, you guys will get a heads up but appreciate you guys tapping in with us every week like you do Um until next time next week you guys know where to find us see you then peace <music>